Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, guys and girls. The program you are about to hear will be both fun and educational, but it is not a substitute for medical advice. Although we are doctors, we are not your doctors. All right, recorder is on. Mm-hmm. And in three, two, one, and hello, and welcome to Travel Medicine. As always, I'm your friendly neighborhood internal medicine doc, Dr. J. Hey, guys. Dr. Santosh here, your pediatric infectious disease doc and a researcher. And Santosh, before we get started with the rest of the episode, I just have to say I'm still pretty excited that we will be making our very first live appearance at C2E2 in Chicago this March slash April and uh, live. Yeah. We, we live. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. So absolutely. if you are interested in comics or culture around pop culture, if you are interested in comics or pop culture, or you'd mm-hmm. like to learn about comic book medicine, one of uh, my <laughs> favorite series, yeah. come on out and see us. Dude, we're so excited to bring this out to you. Uh, I'll try to limit the profanity. Yeah, I'm bringing a swear jar. (laughs) All right. right. I'll stop by the ATM and pick up some change. Change. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We can donate it to something nice at the end. We'll figure it out. (laughs) Papa Santos is going to make it rain. Yeah. So... uh... (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, we've been we have been trying to do a gig at Comic Cons for a couple of years, and it's it feels so good. I can I can taste it. Ooh, can you? Yeah, it's what like does it sweet. Taste like? It's like sweet, sweet medicine, which <laughs> inaccurate because traditionally, what flavors do you associate with medicine, Santosh? <laughs> uh, you're gonna kick me for this, but. Like it's, it's cherry, but it's like a medicine-y cherry. I don't know how else. Yeah. The I know flavor what I you associate with medicine is a medicine-y. <laughs> yeah. Cherry. You know what? That kind of glass kind of, you know, it's sweet at first, but then it has that, you know, it's usually something like phenol or something in there that, you know, it, it, it you know, aromatizes in your mouth and, you know, like if you've ever sprayed chloroseptic in the back of your throat, like that kind of bitter, aromatic kind of kind of taste i i don't know how else to describe it it's medicine i'm just <laughs> angry because i actually do know what you're talking about <laughs> but it's not an okay. accurate description okay. Uh, okay but yeah traditionally we we think of most medicines as falling in the range of bitter that's why yes. you hear the phrase it's a bitter pill to swallow and not a joyful savory <laughs> delight 
Yeah, it's and weirdly enough, it will also mess with whatever you eat afterwards. In some cases, um, famously, when we give our kids clindamycin, if it comes in a suspension, uh, kids will absolutely hate that stuff for for that very reason. Oh, what's the flavor of clindamycin? Clindamycin is the worst kind of like rubbery, bitter. Uh, you know, it, it, it's one of those flavors that makes you absolutely gag from the, the profoundness of that. I, I don't have any other way to put it. If you took a, a bike tire and you decided to chew on it for a bit, um, you'd come up with clindamycin. That's the taste. Huh. It's gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you know what else? Oh, so we think bitter, uh, rubbery, chewy is not a a descriptor I would have thought of for medicine, but hey, you learn something yeah. new every day. Um, chalky. Yeah. Chalky is another big one. Chalky is another thing. It does, most of them, because they're in some sort of a suspension that's not terribly water-soluble, um, you know, some of it will be, you know, like kind of um, syrupy, right? It'll it'll stick on your tongue for just a little bit, you know, well, molasses that was, like it. That was the last flavors of medicine where we talked about chocolate syrup and soda jerks, although I'm glad you bring it oh, up yes. because yeah, yeah. you know what another pharmacy side hustle or you know what else started as a pharmacy side hustle? Oh, okay, yeah. Everyone's aware of the, okay. the uh, pill-like holiday-adjacent candy hearts the oh. conversational hearts yes okay gotcha yeah the the be mine or stop stepping on the back of my heel every time we're walking in the supermarket yeah it seems arbitrarily specific is everything okay oh <laughs> uh, yeah we're good i'm gonna <laughs> I, I'm, i'll take this one offline i'm sorry <laughs> so in 1847, Oliver R. Chase created a medication-cutting machine to increase production speed at his apothecary. A good old-timey word, if ever I heard one. <laughs> I love the word apothecary. I wish we brought back apothecary a little bit. This was the kind of the, the combination word. You know, a pharmacist will dispense medications, but there are, you know, the apothecary you actually formulated. So actually a lot of our, you know, compounding pharmacies and everything are, you know, they're apothecaries. Oh, we're, we're going to come back around to compounding pharmacies. Oh, uh, okay, cool. But uh, yeah, so uh, Oliver Chase took medicinal and binding ingredients uh, and pressed them together and made them into round discs or lozenges. Okay. And this... These were the original when he swapped out the medicine parts for sugar uh -huh. and flavoring. You got the very first candy making machine, which made none other than Necco wafers. Oh, gross. <laughs> okay. So that, he's that's like, why. pill, pill, pill. Ah, uh, Necco. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So he took something that wasn't medicine and he pressed it into there and made a wafer out of it. So sugar, sugar flour, that kind of thing. Sugar, yeah. which would be in medicine, but yeah, flavoring flour. Uh, and not long after his brother added to the design by creating another machine that put red vegetable dye on the surface of the discs and allowed oh. printing of messages. And since this was already designed to make pills, wouldn't it be nice if they could put the instructions on the pill itself oh uh, yeah instead of some weird numbers letters whatever the hell i mean i'm sure it means i mean the anti-counterfeiting measures which i guess are important but yeah i feel like you'd see much better compliance if it sure. if you just put you know take twice a day i said twice no <laughs> not at the same time <laughs> although yeah, i guess yeah. if you could fit all that on a pill Maybe it's a little ageist, but I'm guessing yeah. that the eyes attempting, the eyes needing that pill wouldn't be able to read that message. <laughs> so to be fair, you know, because I traffic in antibiotics, there is all age ranges of, you know, people that will need to read that. But, you know, we also have helpers. 
we have helpers who can help out the old people who can't read as much or magnifying glass. Okay. All right. Mon- <laughs> monocle, perhaps opera glasses. Oh, mo- oh, a monocle all day. Yeah. <laughs> so similar candy hearts share a lot in common with other pills, which can come in a wide variety of shapes, almost as many as Lucky Charms. No red balloons, though. Uh, traditionally, they're round or oval because rounded edges make for easy swallowing and less likelihood of chipping or breaking shards that could scar the esophagus on the way down. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, so of course, no sharp edges, but that also means that if it, um, you know, because the pill can, maybe it's not intact, it falls apart a little bit. So you have less likelihood of generating more sharp edges and shards. Gotcha. Okay, that makes a ton of sense. Most tablets also contain what are called excipients, which are inert compounds. They don't have any physiologic action on your body, but they serve as drug delivery systems. For example, they can control the rate at which the drug is released from the capsule or pill into the bloodstream and Mm -hmm. also detect using things like acidity and uh, muscle force where in the body it should be exerting therapeutic effect. So both timing and location sensors. Uh, Okay. And this is why pills need different sizes, because you have to consider surface area to volume ratio, as that's also going to affect how fast a drug is released. Uh, Now, did you know pharmaceutical companies actually aren't allowed to color all their tablets the same color, which is why we don't have like all aspirin is one color and all, I don't know, Motrin is another color and all Tylenol is a third. Oh, okay. Um, That's... Okay, so you don't mix them up, basically, because you're the one company that's making them. So you don't want to mix up one drug with another, especially if they're vastly different classes of drugs. Yeah, so anytime you have a dose change within the same drug or a class change between drugs, they have a different color. Now, I think that applies specifically to colored ones, as there are a lot of white pills out there. Um, Okay. Or maybe there's just more shades of white that I'm capable of seeing, equally plausible. But interestingly, there's actually been studies done that actually show the color of a drug can influence how bitter patients think it will taste and how strong they believe it is. So before we go into this. Oh, oh, okay. So this is, we're getting into like some, uh, almost like some psychogastronomy, but pill form. Yeah. So what color do you think is going to be more bitter versus more sweet for pills? What color would be, okay, so associated like bitter rather than sweet. So sour almost always will will put like with citrus. So like orange or lemon or that kind of a thing. Um, So I guess red would be more like spicy blue would be sweeter. So I'm, I'm going to go like maybe an orange or a yellow for like close to bitter. Is, am I, am I close? So reds and pinks are traditionally viewed more as sweet. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. That's interesting. And also used in a lot of cardiac medications, apparently Yeah. Uh, to symbol, to symbolize the heart. So, you yeah. know, pharmacy companies, pharmaceutical companies work on the same, operating principle is skittles go okay (laughs) and uh also how strong the the more saturated the hue the stronger the pill will be believed to be oh okay so uh, you can kind of um like kind of push the the placebo effect a little bit by like oh this is a very deep deep red or blue or orange or whatever it is Okay. Yeah. You're not terribly far off with citrus, but uh, those are thought to be more sour medications, things for nausea, vomiting, perhaps their associations with bile. Okay. Uh, okay. Blue medications are more in the realm of sedatives. Okay. Yes. Uh huh. Purples as well. So it just it was it was an interesting study. Um, That's pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm guessing this was in, you know, one region and this kind of a thing. It doesn't necessarily reflect a a completely universal viewpoint, but it may work for that population. No, but if 
let's say, what do you think is the most famous, oh, I don't know, pink medication? List all uh, pink Pepto- medications you could think yeah. of. Yeah. I mean, liquid Pepto-Bismol. There you go. That's, yeah. that's branding. Oh, God. <laughs> and you can oh, taste it, gosh. can't you? Yeah. Uh, like if you. Uh, <laughs> no, right now, as we're oh, having yes. this discussion. Oh, yeah. You can, I, yes. you can taste what Pepto-Bismol is like because, well, frankly, we're old. But for our younger audience or for our nostalgic audience, <laughs> Did you ever, by any chance, take antibiotics as a child, Santosh? I did have to quite a bit. I had a lot of ear infections. Um, I, I don't remember them a ton. I think after about age four or five, it it really stopped. But uh, yeah, I, I think I remember quite a bit of the, like amoxicillin and that kind of thing. I was about to say, as a child, were you taking pills or were you taking uh, liquid formulations? Uh, usually cause it was amoxicillin most of the time. I think it was usually liquid, but I might be having a bit of a false memory. And this is, this is the real important one. We're about to have a possible Mandela effect here. Okay. Okay. What flavor was that amoxicillin? What flavor was the amoxicillin? Um, if you need it to be, I can give you a multiple choice, but I'm hoping your memory will uh, provide. Yeah, I think it was like a like a bubble gum, maybe. Okay, like uh, a chalky bubble gum. Yeah, like a chalky bubble gum, like that, or I they might have called it like cotton candy or something, but you know, along those lines. And and I'm sure there is a section of the internet shouting out at us no it was fruity what are you talking about bubblegum and (laughs) but i digress uh you know the point being the small children listening to this show first off kudos to you yeah (laughs) how'd you how'd you find your your parents i i josh i was legit about to say ipod (laughs) one one day <laughs> One day this will all mean something. But for those of you a little bit older, yeah, what do you remember amoxicillin tasting like? Because that was the main antibiotic we got. And it didn't come around until 1972 when Beecham Labs made a significant advancement in medicine, launching okay. amoxil, which was the sweet, vaguely bubblegum flavor mixed in with the otherwise bitter liquid. So an actual spoonful of sugar to get kids to follow through on their course of antibiotics. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now I do remember that there were, there were flavors or medications that I preferred over others for sure. Like the, all of these weren't created equal. So yeah. So the pink bubblegum flavor you remember is because that sweetness, it, the chalkiness it couldn't really do too much about, but the sweetness would help to cover the bitter taste of the penicillin molecule. And the bubblegum was specifically developed for the U.S. market for the U.S. market at a GlaxoSmithKline site in Bristol, Tennessee. Oh, cool. Very cool. I'm glad that they were, you know, thinking about the kitties. And there definitely are... Adults as well, you know, who have to take, uh, you know, syrups or, or, you know, liquids from time to time um, for whatever reason. But, uh, you know, we're looking out for them as well. Uh, Now, for those of you in the UK or Europe, uh, there is also another drug maker, Teva, Mm T-E-V-A, and they offer two different liquid amoxicillin flavorings one is the bubble uh pink fruit gum flavored and the other is mixed berry flavored so those of you who recall a more strawberry or raspberry based tasting uh ear infection medicine are not wrong you may just be in a different region Oh, sure. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So that's why, you know, you can't really have an argument about this until you knew where you grew up. Yeah. So 
this this is probably the first time flavor or synthetic flavor was officially added to medicine, but in the Middle Ages, when you know we had the four humors, treatments were also based on flavor. You know, oh, you're <laughs> too hot, don't eat spicy foods, or you have too much black bile, you need to eat something sweet. So the idea of flavoring your medicine is not new, but this is prior to 1970. All the amoxicillin little kids were eating, very bitter and not a lot of compliance. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And now all of a sudden you've got a solution to help get kids better, but they can't take it. So what's the use? But now that we've said pink bubblegum flavor, what are some other flavors that you remember from childhood or that you associate commonly with medicines? Uh, Good old cough syrup. um, Grape flavor. Okay. Uh, I think that was, I can't remember. Um, I'm I'm going to be talking about names. I think it might be Dimetap. And that was the the very very grape flavor one. What is the flavor of liquid Nyquil, Josh? I don't know what the flavor. Uh green death. <laughs> death. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> Minty fresh death. Sure, sure. Yeah, NyQuil had a very distinct flavor. Pepto had the Pepto flavor, um, which, you know, I, I think just tasted like Pepto. I, I don't know that I could I think that's, again, that. in that bubblegum cherry-ish. Bubblegum cherry-ish. Um, was there anything like banana? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's uh, azithromycin is banana. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I, just, I wonder why. Uh, okay, so azithromycin, so the old Z-pack, but liquid form. But but let's think about this. Remember, 1972, Beecham Labs revolutionizes the game, flavored sure. children's meds. Okay. But chemists were starting to flavor things back in the 1800s, so we're talking about a pretty long lag time. Okay, and <laughs> most fair. And most of the time, when you're talking about flavor science, a uh, combination of words that is just incredibly fun to say these Mm -hmm. compounds were usually esters that would turn up so cherry flavors were what you're thinking of as the grape flavor sure in germany is associated with orange blossoms the chemical itself is called methyl and anthralinate okay Uh, okay and that's because the kind of grapes that we eat in the u.s or Vitis Labrusca, is <laughs> not the same kind of grapes that was available in Europe. Vitis Vinifera. So they associated oh. it with the smell of orange blossoms. But Oh, interesting. Okay, so that's why the grape flavoring doesn't taste like grape to us. Exactly. It's a totally different kind of grape. Yeah. <laughs> but it is the basis for all grape-flavored candy and cough syrups currently on the market. Oh, okay. Gosh, I wonder if that's the same with like the old school, like the Welch's or whatever the, you know, remember when Dave Chappelle would talk about purple drink? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want some purple drink. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not grape. That's purple. Yeah. And, and again, with banana flavors, you know how banana candies never taste like banana? That's yeah, okay. because you're eating the wrong kind of banana. That- Whoa. That compound was based on the Gros Michel banana. Uh, that's G R O S space M I C H E L. So we are uh, not we are not <laughs> slurring an individual. It is a botanical <laughs> brand. No, this so this is actually French. So Gros Michel, which would be Fat Michael. <laughs> See much better. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the you know, it's hey, you want a banana? Yeah, you want you want a you want a fat Michael? No, I'll take a gross <laughs> Michelle. <laughs> but this banana largely hasn't been around since the 50s. It was however included in candies before then. Uh oh, we okay. we eat Cavendish bananas. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so we have a completely different different banana that we snack on, which tastes nothing like the banana flavor banana. And the most popular flavor in today's medicine is strawberry. The most requested. Oh, sure. Okay. Okay. Cherry is what we all remember. Strawberry is what we all want. 
I think that says a lot about us as people. <laughs> okay, that's fair. So if these flavors promised tastier candies and medicines, this became a little bit of a problem. See, I told you that 1972 was when we had the first flavored medication, but that's not strictly true. Okay. That was more the liquid formulation because there may be something that uh, our parents might remember, Santosh, from the 1960s, the candy asp. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Candy aspirin? What? What's going on? Sounds dangerous, delicious, maybe a little bit of both. Okay. In 1947, the Plow Company, founded by local entrepreneur and businessman Abe Plow, (laughs) he reformulated aspirin into a small-dose chewable designed to appeal to children with an orange flavor called St. Joe's Aspirin. Oh, okay, okay. So... Fair warning, we're in the 1960s. Well, no, right now this is 1947. Oh, 1947, even further back. So we're in the 1940s. There is still measles and there's still chicken pox, of course. And this may be one of the only antipyretics, meaning anti-fever medications that's around. But especially in chicken pox, okay, we have a very bad adverse reaction when you give aspirin to a kid to lower their fever from chickenpox called Reyes syndrome, R-E-Y-E-S. And I'm sure that making a candy aspirin like this for kids is not helpful for, you know, causing these uh, Reyes syndrome kind of thing, which is not a fun disease. So St. Joe's aspirin is what it was okay. called, even though we're okay. referring to it as candy aspirin. St. Joe's aspirin, orange flavored, chewable. Oh, okay. Invented in 1947. By the 1950s, the number one drug ingested by children, far outstripping penicillin. Wow. Okay. And that makes sense because you're going to have a lot more cases of, you know, viral infections that need antipyresis. You just need to bring the fever down rather than an antibiotic. But okay. Kids loved taking their medicine so much that they began (laughs) to eat aspirin like literal candy. How do we know this? Aspirin (laughs) poisonings increased 500% nationwide. And tragically, by 1951, a mere three years after St. Joe's aspirin for kids became available, preschool age children represented 80% of aspirin death. Oh, my gosh. Think about that. Think about how many people were taking aspirin as one of a few very limited medications that were available. And think about over the course of three years, the most common common age range suffering from death due to aspirin would have skewed hard to the younger end. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's not... uh... It's a bad death to watch, too, because it really acutely 
you know, you can have the ringing in the ears and it hurts and, you know, they're kind of nauseous and vomiting and sweating like crazy. Um, and then it'll, you know, take you down from the inside. You get drowsy and start to hallucinate. Um, and eventually, you know, you're, you'll get dehydrated, your blood pressure will drop and you can actually get fluid in the lungs and seizures. So it's a scary, scary way to go. But it's also a pain symptom. And what do you give for pain? <laughs> Why golly gee willikers, I, I do believe you give aspirin. <laughs> Candy aspirin. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, so parents yeah. would sometimes inadvertently overdose children for just the reason you said where they would give them and they might have these reactions and then they'd give them more. Uh, and what didn't help is that there was no mandate for a standardized preparation. Uh, St. Oh, Joe's, for oh, example, no. okay. sold a 1.25 grain tablet, which is 80 milligrams, what? whereas Byers was 2.5 grains or 160 milligrams. Oh, uh, and you wouldn't know unless... Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So you could really overdose, I mean, give double the dose by just not knowing that one is... By just buying the wrong brand. Right, right, right. Okay. Gotcha. So as you can imagine, parents and medical professionals got rather frustrated with aspirin, a highly useful medication contributing to so many deaths, especially one that was aimed at kids, not unlike cigarettes. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> There you go. You want to be cool? Well, eat this orange aspirin. Yeah. <laughs> to be very fair to our, uh, you know, bygone uh, medical ancestors and stuff. Well, uh, maybe a lot of them are still around. I have no idea. <laughs> it's not that long ago. But Josh, we did have a problem even in the modern era with another antipyretic, which was acetaminophen or Tylenol. Um, outside of this country, you might call it paracetamol. But yes, we had the same type of problem. It wasn't from flavoring, but it was because of the same type of thing that you were talking about before, that doses weren't standardized. And for a good long time, the number one cause of over-the-counter medication poisoning was acetaminophen or, or Tylenol. As the problem continued to grow, the conference was held in 1955 with the aim of potentially banning flavored aspirin entirely across the board. Uh, stop oh, marketing at children. Oh, good, good. Okay. As expected, uh -huh. capitalism prevailed. And okay. <laughs> victim blaming ensured it was not the drug manufacturer's fault, but parents for not reading labels. Oh, come or, on. Or children aggressively hunting delicious blood-thinning aspirin that was kept under the kitchen sink and not safely out of reach. Really, yeah. <laughs> this is on you. Yeah, right next to the, uh, you know, the comet powder and the bleach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's, see, it's things like these when people are like, oh, you know, we had this and this and, you know, we were fine as little kids. Well, yeah, that's called survivor's bias, buddy. Yeah, it's you you were the lucky one well you'll be thrilled to hear santosh that one pediatrician decided to throw his hat into the arena okay all right and of course i'm talking about pediatrician jm arena <laughs> oh you you know what you did you know <laughs> who at that time was one of the leading poison experts in pediatrics uh, so he called up Abe Plow himself, <laughs> okay. who initially was reluctant to do anything. He was scared to death that if he took any action, it would negatively affect sales for his leading product. But if I do anything to make my product less likely to kill, I might sell fewer of it. <laughs> oh, heavens be. <laughs> Whatever shall we do? Yeah. So... Showing real leadership, Arena responded with an appeal explaining that, no, in fact, you can bill yourself as the company committed to child well-being. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. 
And Plow said, all right, I'm listening, and assigned one of his executives to work with Dr. Arena to develop what you now know as the very first child safety cap. Oh, hey, that's that's kind of that's a little bit of wonderful. I love that, Josh. Holy cow. OK. And also sometimes adult proof cap, I suppose. Well, that's that's a whole other issue. But uh, yeah. <laughs> the very first advertisement for the safety cap was in the December 1958 Parents magazine. Oh, OK. Gotcha. Gotcha. I remember the old Parents magazine. You don't see it much anymore. And by the mid-1970s, aspirin mortality rates in children had dropped incredibly quickly thanks to largely safety caps and a few other poison-preventing measures. This led to the listing of drug ingredients. uh, Okay, yes. And a few other truth and disclosure acts. I believe one is called the Harris Act. We'll um, We'll have some of them linked in the show notes. So I want everyone to just take a moment and understand this right here and right now, okay? The world isn't nice and safe, especially in a, you know, industrialized world because it just happened that way, okay? It takes effort and it takes, you know, some a little bit of courage sometimes and it takes, you know, some foresight and innovation and these things just don't happen but when implemented properly right like a safety cap all of a sudden you can get to a point where a problem that was really killing kids okay all of a sudden turns into absolutely nothing and you even forget how it was ever a problem that is success right there but you still should be mindful that it took effort and time and patience and some pushing and shoving and yelling so you know, come on, people. So I bet you didn't think when we started this episode that you'd learn citrus flavoring led to <laughs> childproof caps. No, no, I did not. Now, the last the last bit of flavor I want to go over isn't a flavor you'd expect, or at least a way you'd expect to get it. Apparently, okay. I've never had this, but maybe you have. Uh, okay. There are patients who complain of a funny taste in their mouth when their IV lines are flushed. Yes. Yeah. Actually, kids are hyper aware of this. They'll say that, oh, yeah, I can I can taste when you flush the IV, um, especially kids who are here chronically, you know, they long term for things. Now, there's a lot of medications that can leave a strange taste in your mouth. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and the term for that is dysjusia. Like Beetlejuice, Disgoosia, like Beetlejuice, yeah, Beetlejuice, exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, by the way, your pronunciation might be right depending on like what side of the pond you're on and that kind of thing. I'm not sure. Now, medications that you take by mouth can be directly tasted, and in theory, uh, medications given IV could be excreted into the saliva and tasted that way. Um, sure, as in it goes into your vein, it circulates around, and then, you know, it ends up in the vasculature in your tongue and secreted into saliva, you know, with the cells, and then, you know, you taste it, like that kind of thing. Yeah, and then there's others which can disrupt your sense of taste or smell, which, of course, would affect your ability to taste things. Mm -hmm. But what do you think is going on with tasting the IV lines being flushed, the speed with which it happens. What's what's the speed yeah. of taste? Because it's like instantaneous. It's not it's not absolutely immediate, but it's within seconds. And you know, any particular bolus of fluid, like if you're going into a large vein, Josh, it's about sixty seconds to go around your entire body. So that that makes sense that it's less than that. Um, but no, I, I'm not entirely sure. Like, could it be, you know, because if you're doing something like saline, is it altering osmolality and that actually changes the, you know, the chemical balance near your taste receptors and that kind of a thing just briefly enough? Um, I, I don't know. I, you know, uh, 
the, the saliva thing we talked about, but I can't think of another like clear way of like how you would taste it. So one other possible and the prevailing theory is okay. that molecules, once they've entered the bloodstream, rapidly are directed toward the lungs where they are then exchanged in the capillaries and exhaled out of the body. And while people, you can be blissfully unaware of their own bad breath, even the most oblivious individual is going to smell a new molecular component in the air they exhale. Oh, oh okay, gotcha. Yes, and that makes a ton of sense because that's part of what our lungs do is, you know, we, we inhale oxygen, but we exhale carbon dioxide and other waste products of metabolism and things like that. So, so some of these uh, molecules then are volatile is what you're saying. Like when they get to the lungs, they can be breathed out. Volatile meaning they break down quickly, not that you're going to burp and explode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, vo- exactly right. Meaning that they they break down and they get they float off into the air very quickly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So for those of you wondering why you can taste your IV, that is, that's the working theory. But Santosh, I wanted you to talk a little bit about what flavoring and medication looks like today or what, what are the flavor advances? Because I got to be honest with you. I feel like you're going to see a lot more people who need flavored medication than I will. Yeah, absolutely. It's well, it depends on how many of your adult patients would like to have liquids instead of pills. And we actually do try to encourage, especially for our little kids. So if they're three, four, five, but for instance, they are a renal transplant patient or something like this. It, it, it is actually good, you know, if they can do pills or tablets or, or capsules sooner rather than later. Um, and actually, since a lot of things nowadays can be, you know, Josh, when you open up the capsule, you see the little sprinkles inside. A lot of those can be opened up that way. You put them in pudding and boom, you're good to go. <laughs> um, but yeah, otherwise, if if we're not talking about modifying the drug like that and putting it in ice cream or putting it in pudding or something like this, then you actually do have like the apothecaries that you were talking about before. You do have some flavor companies and things like that, that will either flavor stuff for you, meaning that the manufacturer can go to them and send it and say, Hey, flavor, so-and-so, Put, the, put this flavor in there and we'll partner with you to do this because we can't do it ourselves. Or, Josh, believe it or not, some places will have the flavorings available like a, um, what do you call it? Like a slushy machine <laughs> in the pharmacy itself. So you pay a little extra. It might be like two bucks or something like that, or five bucks. Are you telling and me I can get blue raspberry amoxicillin? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that all flavors are available for all medications because there are compatibility issues. You, you don't want to make the medicine less effective because you've cut it with a flavor that, you know, either inactivates it or makes it hard to absorb, right? Taco Bell Imodium. Oh God, gross. Why? That's (laughs) (laughs) self-defeating. So yeah, you, you can actually just say, Hey, you know, could you do this? Some pharmacies will have this capability. Some won't. It is of course a very sad fact that if you're in a more wealthy area, more than likely those pharmacies are going to have those things available versus if you're in a more uh, poor neighborhood, especially in an urban environment, uh, that's a luxury that A, you can't afford uh, and B, that they just don't, you know, have the, have the money to stock it in their pharmacy. So, well, there's one company now that does quite a number of flavors and, and that's Flavor RX, and I believe you showed me it has a what should be terrifying, but is <laughs> but is truthfully a little adorable flavor flavor bot. It has a flavor, and actually, it's not as fun as I thought it would be. I thought you could like mix and match stuff with the flavor bot, but essentially, it's just in a little animation off of a drop down menu that you can pick any number of drugs in alphabetical order by generic drug, and it'll list the 
flavors available and kind of the best flavors that go with this particular. For match. example, you mentioned clindamycin being one of the worst tasting, the, the gold oh, schlager of yes. drug flavors. Yes. yes. Well, <laughs> according to Flavorbot, hey, Flavorbot, what flavors can you make clindamycin? Flavorbot computing, learning <laughs> to taste, learning <laughs> to love. <laughs> and uh, it's feeding back, let's see, Mighty Mango. Ooh, okay. Awesome Apple. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lucky Lemon. I don't know that I want medication to be lucky. Yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> and, and Groovy Grape Aid. Oh, okay. So they're doing like Grape Aid, not like Grape Okay, so it's going to be a little more. Tiny. Whereas Colace, a stool softener, still comes in Mighty Mango and Awesome Apple, but yes, but comes in. Uh, I don't know that I want this in a stool softener. Giggly Grape. <laughs> oh, so they have like or, a, a few different versions of grape. Okay, or Wacky Watermelon. Yes, Wacky Watermelon. It's important for watermelon to be wacky. Absolutely. So the point being. Almost any medication from, although we we stuck to a very specific range, but yes. any of the more commonly prescribed medications and even a few of the more uncommon ones can be artificially flavored to increase compliance. And uh, medical flavor science has come quite a long way. Yeah, absolutely. It's It's kind of neat. We did have to go through... Uh, you know, a fair amount of understanding of which of these substances are safe. And then, of course, stable, compatible with various different molecules and that kind of a thing. And then, you know, customize it a little bit. This is okay with these medications. This is not, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it's it's not like ye old timey where you basically just threw oh, this tastes good, and just threw it in there without any thought of like, oh, is it going to be safe? Is it going to be, you know, compatible, et cetera, et cetera. Although I still think they should just go back to Coca-Cola and chocolate syrup. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I, when we are able to, and as long as the medicine flavor isn't too overpowering, we often just say, just keep the medicine as is and give it with something uh, thick and tasty and usually sweet. So yes, like a chocolate syrup, um, toffee or caramel works pretty well, Josh. Pudding works great because the, the sweetness kind of remains on your tongue even after the medicine goes down. You just have to check the compatibility as a, for instance, doxycycline binds pretty tightly to anything that has calcium in it. And what will end up happening is that it'll just stick to that and you'll just poop it straight out without absorbing any of the doxycycline. So yeah, you, you do have to be careful, you know, what the properties of the drug are before you do it. But my milkshake, my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. Their (laughs) meds work better than yours. (laughs) Your your meds taste better than yours. Absolutely. I prescribe you, but I have to charge. <laughs> we do because capitalism. Yeah, absolutely. So that's it for this week with other ways we've used to flavor medications. We may come back yeah. and revisit this, especially in drug design. Okay. Uh, but for now... We will return to our regularly scheduled journal clubs and getting ready for comic book medicine coming up at the end of March. Did I mention that already? Maybe I did, but I'm still pretty excited. So come out and see it. (laughs) C2E2 people. And Josh, we have some more particulars now, right? So we can tell them specifically that we are on Sunday, April. It's April 2nd, is it? I believe so. Yep. Sunday, April 2nd is our panel at 2.15 to 3.15 p.m. And I didn't see what room we're in yet, but yeah, absolutely. Please come on by. Enjoy the rest of the con. Uh, You can see uh, Dante Bosco, who played Rufio as well as Zuko in Airbender, the last, or sorry, Avatar, the last Airbender. And then you can come see us. 
As always, this show is produced by me with a lot of help from Dr. Santosh and friends. If you'd like to support us spiritually, emotionally, or financially, links to do that are in the show notes, along with links for further reading. Sign on up for ACAST Plus to get bonus conversations that go nowhere and a chance to interact with us even more personally. (laughs) Until next time, keep a song in your heart, soap on your hands, find a ticket, to go somewhere that looks interesting, maybe Chicago to check out C2E2. And once you've done all those things, happy travels. Bye, everybody. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.